Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Hello and welcome back to Ayers on the Road. Aloha wherever you are. We know that many of you in Utah were buried in snow this week. Uh, it took our kids two and a half hours to get from Provo to Salt Lake City. Um, and they missed half of the jazz game. It was a crazy night out there. But we are just enjoying some beautiful sunshine. We're here looking out at Haleakala on Maui. Beautiful clouds and sunshine. We had 80 mile an hour winds on the top of Haleakala yesterday. I'm glad we weren't up there. Yeah, that was crazy. Many of you know that uh, the Hawaiian Islands have some pretty high mountains, especially on the big island. But here on Maui, there is a mountain called Haleakala that's over 10,000 feet high. And that's high because it starts from sea level. You right. Know, yeah. It's such a spread oh, out mountain that, you know, you don't don't think of the Tetons or whatever. <laughs> right. Exactly. But some of you longtime listeners know that we traditionally the last five years have been spending January and February here. But you may not know the story of it. And it's kind of a fun story. Maybe we should lead off with that today, dear. We were we have a son named Jonah who lives here with his wife and his beautiful, wonderful wife, Asia, and their five children, although they're now down to three because two are going to college. But a few years ago when we were here visiting them, they right next to their home, there was a shack that was falling down and, um, Full of old <laughs> tires, a it was, cesspool in the back. It was just a mess, but it was for sale. And um, they had it in their mind that maybe they could restore it. And our view was, oh, no, but but buy the land and knock it down and let's build something on there. Because it's such a beautiful setting. Out one side, you can see the ocean, and out the other side, you can see Haleakala. And uh, Jonah, if you knew him, you'd understand, said, no, no, we wouldn't we wouldn't knock anything down. The fun of life is to take old things and make them new again. Oh, plus there was this one other thing. You can't knock down a house in Hawaii. It's well, and you can't get a permit to build a new one. No, you, you can cannot. restore one. And so long story short, we worked together and got it restored. And what a lovely little spot it is. It was an amazing job. Absolutely incredible. Uh, when he came in here, he just said, I don't think we can do this. This is crazy. We're going to have to raise the he roof. Did. He did. Oh, even he did? Yes. He uh -huh. said, I just don't think we can do it. And then he slept on it a few nights and he said, uh, I'll give resist. it a try. I can't, I can't resist. resist. Raise the floor, raise the ceiling. Raised, I mean, as in lifted it up. But Not raised floor, a but lot of other stuff. Yeah. And anyway, that's why we're here. And we we come here because at the first of the year, each year, we've always, I don't know, see if I'm oversimplifying this, honey, but by the end of a year, we have so many things we'd planned to do that we didn't get done during the year. Right. We sort of come here for a month or two and get them done. And theoretically, we plan the year ahead. We think about the year ahead. We're thinking a lot right now about 2024. 
and what we can make out of it, right? We are, and there are just so many things to make out of it. Um, as we're here with these kids, it's so fun to have them just around the corner. This is just around the corner from their house. And yeah. actually they rent it when we're not here, which is great. And uh, it just is so fun to have those kids popping in because, you know, Hawaii, Maui is a long way away from where we are <laughs> out in the mountains in Park City. Yeah. So that's how really... our, our families evolved to where now seven of our nine kids and their families are pretty close to us, either in Utah or in Arizona. But then these two boys, by the way, they're the two who were born in England. I don't know. Maybe that gives them license to be global citizens or something. But one of them lives in Switzerland and one lives in Hawaii. So they're the two that are the, the biggest distance from us geographically. Which makes it very hard to have a family Zoom call because they're exactly eight hours apart. Twelve hours apart. I mean, 12. On opposite 12, 12, sides yeah. of the world. Twelve. Yeah. And so uh, where it's noon at one place, it's midnight at other place. So you, one family has to get up early and another has to stay late. But So eight o'clock is pretty good. Eight in the morning for one, eight in the evening for the other, and somewhere in between for the rest of us. Right. <laughs> but it is amazing. Uh, the world is shrinking because it's so amazing. Our, we should be thankful every day that we can just pick up a phone and FaceTime them, or we can uh, send them a message and they get it instantly. I was just thinking about that last night as I was working on some family history. How would that have been when we were kids, when my mom was so worried about me being 90 miles away? And uh, <laughs> when we there was a long distance call, everyone would say, be quiet. This is a long distance call. Come on, get by the phone. And it was expensive too. So it was really amazing what's happened in the last 20 years and some of our of our kids and we of course have been known to travel a lot and it's just so great now to pick up the phone anywhere in the world and and call and boy we remembered a time or you know a day when when you were traveling it was pretty hard especially the one remember the time i was in china in the in the 80s and I, I wanted to call you guys so bad, and I finally got a line that went through, and one of the boys, one of the little boys answered the phone, and I'm like, quick, go get mom, go get mom. And he said, okay, I'll get her, and he set the phone down, and then I just sat there for the next 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, and it was a no, huge expense waiting for so I could hear the family in the background. I kept yelling. I started whistling, see if someone would notice the phone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, those were the days. So we just should remember to be grateful. There's so many things to be grateful for in this great world. Now, Linda, last week we talked about three generation families and it was really interesting, I thought. I mean, I was really into it. And I think from based on some comments we've had that a lot of people were were thinking that. And so I want we want to follow up on that a little today in a way that I think is going to be relevant to everyone. But let me let me do it a different way. We haven't talked about this, but <clears throat> I like asking Linda questions and when she doesn't know what's coming. I want to mention three or four words and have you give your reaction to them. And then as we're doing this, see if you think there's any connection between these words or what they, how they might fit in 
to the idea of a three-generation family and so on. And let's start with the word synergy. Oh, I love that one. That means working together that one person's idea makes another person's idea better. And you can come together and really talk about things that are important that really can not only pull your family together, but pull your relationship with a child or a grandparent or a a parent together. And I guess the typical sort of vernacular definition is that there are relationships that can develop or combinations that can be put together where one plus one equals three. In other words, the total is greater than the sum of its parts. People working together in synergy can produce more or accomplish more or figure out more, come up with more than all of those individuals working one at a time and totaling it all up. Maybe an even more extreme word, just in connection with that one, is symbiotic. When you think of a symbiotic relationship, what do you think of? You probably think of um, what's the the movie where the little the little fish is swimming around by the plant and uh, finding Nemo, right? Oh, finding Nemo, he has yeah. A symbiotic relationship with the with the plant. Plant <laughs> protects him, and he he fertilizes the plant. And there's all kinds of symbiotic relationships in nature, where two organisms depend on each other and make it possible for each other to live and to flourish and so on. Right. Right. I think that symbiotic is just so great because it it means that you're making something that each of you bring into something bigger and better. And I think that's so important to do with kids. Um, There's, well, I'll wait till you get through your words, but there's the opposite of that that we need to be careful of too. All right, so just keep that in the back of your mind. And then think about the simple word family for a minute. That has come to mean so many different things in our world, but it always has a good meaning. It always has, you know, a lot of athletic teams now say we're family or, you know, a company wants to develop a family culture and so on. But but families that are that are blood-related And, you know, we always hear blood is thicker than water, meaning that you just, you know, you're always a brother, you're always a sister, you're all, these are not things you change or you ever escape from or you ever, you know, lose, they're they're powerful. And and family, um, we ought to all understand that everyone has one. Family isn't something that, well, we'll get into that in a minute, but I just think it's a tragedy that we limit the definition of family sometimes. We say, oh, family, that's a parent, some parents and some kids. That is not the case in most of the world. In fact, I was going to try to do some research today before we started and look it up. I'll do it afterwards and we'll mention it maybe next week. But when most of the world says family, well, what I'd really like to research is how many people, what percentage of the world live in three-generation families or more, in the same house with grandparents, parents, and children. I think it's a majority of the world. And family is a big thing. We're all family, ultimately. And family should be a thing that 
doesn't divide us, but unites us, right? Other thoughts on the word family, and then we'll get to the third word. Well, um, <laughs> let's do the third word because I have something that I'd really like to discuss about the problems with family. I mean, yeah. what is the problem here? With because that, there's so many issues with families that are broken up and not doing well, and relationships are not good. Well, the third word, there's really four real quickly, but the third word is management and consulting. I've spent my life, and many of you listeners know this, in, in business or in management, and I was a management consultant for a while, which is an interesting term because management and consultant, manager and consultant are two very different roles, and we're going to get into that. But there, the point is, how how would you differentiate between a manager and a consultant? Well, a manager is the one that says this is the way you should do this to make it work. He's in charge. Right. And a consultant is one that sits down and says, tell me your problem, and then talks about it. They can, they consult. Or tell me your goals. Tell me your goals. I'll try to help you with your goals. It's not my goals. It's your goals. I'm consulting you're the one who's in charge. Right. right? We have a daughter who uh, took a little vacation over the holidays and came back and she just wrote last night and said, I saw 23 clients today. She's a therapist. And so she was way, she's a consulting life with them. Yeah. Right. But she yeah. spent hours. She says, I'm totally exhausted. But consulting with each other, I mean, assuming that one person can help the other is is really helpful because they have a lot of background that they don't and they're uh, moved away. They've, they're not part of the family and so on, but the actual consulting within the family is really a delicate situation. <clears throat> so, and then one more word, and then we're going to take a break. And then after the break, we're going to try to explain how all these words come together in the idea of extended families. But Somebody's put us on a little word, a little uh, email thing, dear, and we get a word every day, a new word. What's the word we're going to have for today? And ironically, today, just as we were thinking about the radio show, in came this word, propinquity, propinquity, propinquity. <laughs> and it means the state of being close to someone or something, a close kinship. And what we want to talk about after the break is, do we have propinquity in our three-generation families? And maybe you'll just go around and start using that word today, Linda, propinquity. Yeah, I like that. It kind of rolls off your tongue. Propinquity. Um, And consider during the break whether or not you have propinquity in your family. And your extended family. And extended family. Well, the family that you live with as well, but the extended family, in-laws and all that. There's so much to talk about. So hang on and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Ayers on the Road. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And we're back talking about propinquity <laughs> uh, uh feeling it's, a close it's a cool word, to your family i love sure that it has pink it's, in the middle it's <laughs> quitty it, propinquity it is a great word p-r-o-p-i-n-q-u-i-t-y yeah i like that and i think 
Wow. I mean, you know, there's every family is not perfect. There's always some rumblings. There's always something going on. We have a lot of married children and there's always issues and so on. But um, I was you know, reading in the scriptures this week, and many of you will know what I'm talking about here. It was from the Book of Mormon with a family that is having a really tough time. <laughs> they are Together, they're being asked to move from Jerusalem to the wilderness to who knows where. And the family is having such a hard time. And I just thought as they I read this. They sort of have propinquity, but it's a little rough. Well, yeah. Well, it's a little some, ragged. Some were better than others. There were a lot of children involved. But I just thought, wow, you know, as much as we love the dad of that family, he was kind of a visionary and kind of, you know, half one foot in heaven and one foot on earth. And these sons did not uh, go along with what he thought they should do. And the thing that struck me this time was the dad was saying, oh, if you could just be like this mountain, be strong, be, you know, and then. Or if you could could just just be a little more like your brother. Or if you could be like your brother. Or then the younger brother saying, if you could just be a little more like me. I mean, in essence, he was. And the other brothers, if you could just be like this valley that's beautiful and stretching and green and all this stuff. And I thought, oh, my gosh, that's just not going to settle well. And then sometimes the brother is like, you guys, you are so crazy. I mean, he doesn't say that, but, um, you know, have some have some perspective. And I think the bottom line here is that criticism is a thing that destroys propinquity. Yeah, it really in any case, we have uh, some marriages, obviously, where it's so hard. If you could just be more like this and. I've been known to say that to you, and you have been known to say that to me. No, I wouldn't change one single thing. (laughs) But it really is so interesting. It's made me think again a lot of times when I've uh, corresponded with the kids and saying, just don't, don't, instead of saying, why can't you do this? Instead, just say, you do this so well. I'm so proud of you. I know you can do this. And just give them this positive feedback. Um, find a thing they are doing. Find well. a thing they yeah. are doing well. That goes so much farther than any criticism that we have of a, of a child or a, a relationship. So let me try to link these words we mentioned at the first together in, in a way that hopefully will make some sense to all of us. Um, first of all, family ought to be defined broadly because. We, we really, I mean, it's not just a nuclear family. Every family, and everyone has a family, whether you are a daughter or a son or a brother or a sister, you have family. You don't, and this business of, well, do you have your own family? Let's get rid of that because we, all of our families are our own families. And it's not necessary to say, well, you don't, you don't have a family because you don't have children. We're all part of families. And the family, we all play different roles in families. We all have parents. And just thinking of that in an expanded way and understanding that it's not a, a good thing to live as an isolated nuclear family. We need to connect with not only our parents, not only our uncles, not only our aunts, our cousins, but indeed way back and and genealogy and and family trees and so on the the bigness of family is really important and understand that that's what's that's what connects us in the world 
And then within that, to understand the difference between management and consulting and understanding that parents have the stewardship. That's another word we probably should have thrown out at the first. What is stewardship? A God-given responsibility. Parents are the stewards. They have the stewardships. But grandparents can often be the consultants, can often be the ones who really help, who really make the difference, who really create the synergy where it's not just the parents shouldering the responsibility to have help from the grandparents and they work together. But a lot of times if we lose that synergy and we become like you were animated, Linda, critical or think we can do it better or try to convince people they're doing it wrong, just finding that synergy, finding that ability to communicate together where, hey, we have the same goal. The goal is the well-being of these children. And you're the parent and I'm the grandparent, but how do we work together? And how do we as grandparents recognize you have the stewardship, but how can I help? Where can you use assistance? How can we synergize? How can we be symbiotic as a family? Well, and the best thing about that is that as a grandparent, you don't have to be the disciplinarian. You know, you can just compliment, love them up and tell, you know, build them up and so on. However, in conference with the parents, you know, we can drop some little uh, things that are would be helpful. It really helps more coming from a grandparent than it does a parent because we're a little bit removed. Well, and, and think of what it does. And I, we should be personal. We're trying and we're not succeeding completely by any means, but we're trying to have a meeting, Linda and I, the two of us, the two grandparents, other, but keep in mind, there are two other grandparents, you know, on the other side of that family. And that's another relationship we should try to form, right? What could be a better friend than someone that has the same grandkids as you? You can agree you have the greatest grandkids in the world. That's a good start for a relationship. But, <clears throat> excuse me, we're trying on a regular basis, although we're you know, we're just really committing to it and trying to make it happen regularly, where we get together with a set of parents, with one of our children and their spouse. We thought we could do it once a month. That's way too aggressive. We're, we're going to hope to do it regularly, but not that often, but actually go to dinner with them or get on a Zoom call with them if they live too far away. With them in charge, the parents in charge, and us essentially saying, give us more insight into your children, to our grandchildren. Tell us more. Sometimes we use what we call a five-facet review. How's, how is Bennett doing physically? Are there any issues, any problems, anything we should know about? Um, how's he doing mentally? How's he doing emotionally? How's he doing socially? How's he doing spiritually? And it's even better if the parents are saying, look, mom and dad, we want you to know all you can about our kids, because the more you know about their current situation, their current needs, their current problems, the more you can help, the more you can fit in, the more you can understand what's going on, the more of a resource you can be to us as the parents. And it's a wonderful, wonderful thing where we have these meetings. We learn so much, but the, it's a delicate thing because if you yeah. drift off into I'm 
quizzing you and I'm helping you and I'm don't you really care clueless about this? This child, you're just ruining him. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. Um, but I do think that it is really a delicate thing because you know they sometimes may be offended, like you think I'm not doing the job, you know. That it's a really uh, uh, special relationship that you can develop with these parents if you do it the right way. And I just think mostly it's just we want to know. We want to know what we can do to help. And it really, if if you're going through those five things, we've we've had some really great and conversations. That's a good format because it leads to, I mean, you don't want to just get together and say, hey, how can we help? And and how can we, uh, you know, be better grandparents and so on? Those are good things to start with. But until you get beneath the surface and talk about each individual child, and and a good way to be sure you're covering it all is those five facets, physical, mental, emotional, social, and spiritual. If you go through all those things, you're really delving into that child. You're really you're really focusing your attention and your your brain power and your thought on the goal. The goal is helping the child. The goal is helping making the child happy. The goal is fulfilling the child's needs. The parent is the steward, but you want to be their main support in that. Well, I think the goal is propinquity. Propinquity. <laughs> because, there we go. You know, you want to feel this closeness to that those parents and that we're here to help whatever you can do. Um, and also it's a time to praise them because yeah. they've done such a great job with these kids or with this kid. And let us help you with one that you're struggling with right now. Um, I just think it really kind of changed our relationship with, with them. Once we started saying, you know, we're here to help we're not here to criticize. We're here to really do what we can to help you in this. Well, and, no, and nothing draws you closer to someone than working together with them on a common goal. And so imagine how great it is for your relationship as parents and grandparents when you're focused on the common goal of that child or of those children. That can be so powerful. And, and last week on the show, we talked about we're speaking a lot these days, both online and in person, to grandparents. And grandparenting is becoming a big deal. More and more grandparents are saying, hey, I I want, I have skin in the game. I want to be a proactive, effective, difference-making grandparent. How do I do it? And one of the things we always suggest is these regular meetings with the parents but also, we mentioned last week, we, we call it the team approach, with with the grandparent being the trunk who connects with ancestors, the ear who really learns to listen, the A, the assembler, the one that pulls people together, and the match, the one who tries to help financially, but always in a way that matches or that entitles, doesn't entitle. But what we wanted to do is tell you that in our thinking this week, we've we've now started to call this lecture or this presentation instead of the team approach, T-E-A-M, we're calling it the teams approach, putting an S on it, T-E-A-M-S, because number one, this teaming up with the with the parents is so important. And number two, we wanted to add another word. So it's not just being the trunk, being the ear, being the assembler, and being the match. It's also being the synergy. 
And that's why we wanted to talk about this today, because synergy requires open communication. It requires knowing that the parents are the managers and you're just the consultant who's called in to help out. And so we like adding that word, and we're now calling this grandparenting approach teams, because synergy is the most important part of it. You know, I remember being with a couple in Denver. I don't know why I can remember specifically we're out on a balcony having a big dinner at a restaurant with fires. And this couple came to me and said, how can I get my parents involved with my kids? We are struggling with our teenagers and they're just off in Sun City all the time. Playing golf. They're gone. They're playing golf. They're, they're watching tennis. They're just doing what they've wanted to do their whole lives. And they've totally dropped out of our lives. How can I get them involved? And she, they said, especially I have teenagers right now that are really struggling. And I think they could really help with this. And I suggested, you know, ask, to, you know, invite them to dinner and pay for it for a change instead of having them pay for it and tell them, tell them how you feel about it and that you need their help. I think sometimes it's just parents, grandparents drop out because you think that they don't need they don't need you but i think it's such a good way to create this synergy this propinquity propinquity this feeling a close kinship uh the interestingly this example sentence they give on this word is the dorms propinquity in the dining hall makes it a popular residence for student athletes well i mean you know I mean, propinquity, you can say in your dining room or on a Zoom call or something, makes you feel comfortable about talking about things together. Yeah. And and this is a joint project. We're going to do this together. That's good. I like that, honey. So bottom line, strive for propinquity in your extended family. And one really good way to do it is to have an adult dinner on a regular basis or a Zoom call with one of your children, if you're the grandparent, or with both of your parents, and of course the spouse, if they're the spouse, and really talk, really brainstorm, really think of family as a management challenge that you can solve together with synergy and maybe this is especially important with in cases of divorce you know yes that that is especially important you think oh well you know there's just one of well that's the one that needs your help so just some things to think about this week we hope that you have created your own ideas through this and we hope you'll join us again next time have a great week and we'll see you next time on Ayers on the road bye-bye